welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. My name is C.J. Reynolds. Um, if you are new here, right, this is why we do this every week. I'm going to just say, because it's sometimes people are new, and I don't know who's new. Uh, I, I don't know, understand a lot of things about YouTube, but um, or how people find this stuff. But anyway, I'm glad that you're here. My name is CJ Reynolds. I run this YouTube channel called Real Rap with Reynolds. And the idea behind this is that we are, we as a community are trying to help you be the teacher you always dreamed of being. And this year, I don't know what kind of teacher you're dreaming of being, but it's, you know, we'll try and help you out regardless. We got some ideas. So Every Sunday night, uh, my friends and I here in the community, in the chat section and, and beyond, are we show up to try and help one another to, to figure stuff out. Like, what went wrong last week? What are you afraid of this week? What's, what, are you, what are you excited about? What are you thinking about? What's going on? These are all questions we're trying to figure out together because it's going to help us to go into the week next week stronger. So the idea here is you throw a question in the question section. Then my helper Edie in Texas puts it in the Google document. My other helper, the wife for life, uh, pulls it off of the Google document and then is going to read it to me. And then I transmit it to you. This is a lot of hands in this process, people, but we don't, we don't fret. Um, so look, if you are, uh, you, you can ask any question that you want. You just throw it in the chat. Um, and if you know somebody that had a hard week, Maybe shoot him a text and be like, hey, you should go on here because John Lopez and Richard Royster and Tracy Pinter might have some some help for actually Tracy Pinter's not here today. Tracy Pinter's on a farm getting pumpkins with the kids and stuff. Thing. Have you know? fun. I hope it's as beautiful there as it is here. Because it is it gorgeous is. here. It is. It's high of 70 today. And we went pumpkin picking yesterday and we got there really late and they let Marley feed the horses at the place. They like gave her some apples and old peaches and stuff. It was really nice. Um, look, folks, if this is not, I'm real in the clapping lately, right? I don't know what's going on with my life, but real in the clapping. Uh, if this is not enough, know that I have, um, there is mentoring that you can sign up for on realrapwithreynolds.com. You can do a one-off session. You can do a whole bunch of sessions and the prices vary, uh, according to what you do. But that is like something that like I could sit with you and talk about that particular kid, that particular assignment, those particular lesson plans, those particular anxieties that you have and, and help you out with that stuff. Um, and I don't, I don't know that I've ever had a dissatisfied customer. I don't think so. Maybe Chris Carson a little bit, but Stop no, it. I'm just playing. Uh, and there's also a book, Teach Your Class Off, The Real Rap Guide to Teaching, has nothing to do with rap, has everything to do with uh, having real talk about education. Um, I'm gonna give a I'm gonna give a book away today. Oh, good. Uh, I'll talk about it in the middle of the of the episode. We'll do it like at the 30 minute mark. We'll I'll discuss it. We're gonna give away a book though. Um, so if you have a question, go ahead throw it in the chat. If you put Q or question next to it, it just helps Edie find it better. Um, and that's it. Anything else we have going on? We want to tell people about? Uh, I don't think so. No, I'm feeling on fire today. Let's go. It's beautiful out. Had a great day yesterday. Like perfect day. I said this to you earlier, and you didn't answer me. I said. I feel like yesterday was a perfect day. I did answer you. No. You just didn't hear me. I said, yeah. I said it was. It was you must have went like this. Like, weather, everything that we did, it was just a really great day. It was much needed. And it was a cheat day. It was. Well, that always makes the day, like... You you wake up so happy on cheat I days. do. You're just like, And oh. I eat candy, literally, the oh. first... Cheat like, day. as soon as I get up, I bought Halloween candy, and I, like, just gorge on it on my cheat day, so I really have no sugar we, cravings. What was breakfast week. yesterday? Oh, pumpkin bagels. No, candy. First. Oh. First oh, thing no. I put in my mouth is candy. I think so. It's weird on here today. 
I don't know. I don't know if there's a filter. Let's change something. All right, you got a question for me? Yes, right here. My eyes look weird. Edie does. Uh, okay, go ahead. You're going to read it, right? Oh, I am? Okay. Mr. James P. is asking... Oh, my God, James P. <laughs> In your book, you mentioned that you never connected with a teacher when you were a student. Do you have a story or two about connecting with a teacher as a teacher? Maybe one in your... Oh, wait. Oh, is that one of two? Maybe in your one of two? Uh, she's going to put the other one in there. Oh. Maybe Edie, I don't know if you got the rest of that. Um, I don't understand. Anyway, you can answer most oh, of that. Oh, wait. Maybe it's supposed to say in year one or, t yeah. one or two. I thought it said one of two. Maybe. I don't know. We'll just keep going. Um, James, that's a great question. Uh, I, what teachers have I connected with? Let's say yes, but I like connecting with people. So, like, it is, uh, it's a thing that I love doing. I would say, let, let's go, let's just oh, go. Oh, so that's what it was. I'm sorry. Let me reread the question because the other uh, sure. half is in there. Let's in your book, you mentioned, in your book that you mentioned, you never connected with a teacher when you were a student. Do you have a story or two about connecting with a teacher as a teacher? Maybe one in your building and one you met at a conference or a video um, and maybe a teacher or author or something that inspired you. I just remember your interview with Rafe. Yeah, so, oh gosh, Rafe, so great. Um, if people haven't watched that, what, what are you saying? I was gonna say, Mr. Mr. James always asks very thorough questions. He does, he asks really good questions. Mm -hmm. um, let's let's do this. Uh, I, so, first of all, if you haven't watched my interview with Rafe Esquith, you should just look that up on YouTube. If you just type Rafe Esquith into YouTube, um, it'll it'll pop up. He is one of my favorite teachers of all time um, amongst like a very select few. I don't read a lot of teacher books, but I would say the books that about teaching that have meant the most to me are his. And to be honest, Dave Burgess's Teach Like a Pirate, uh, even though he's my publisher. And so like, I, I'm not saying that because, because of that reason, um, but it, it's one of the best books I've ever read. So uh, in, I would say this, Early in my career, the people that meant the most were the guy that I student taught under, this guy, uh, Mr. Z, Winslow Township High School uh, in Jersey. Like, the, the way even that I have, like, I'm, I'm looking around for it, like, I'm going to hold it up. Uh, my seating chart is still done the way that is done. The reason that I always have my favorite pen in the world is a zebra pen. Go like that. Bam, look at that. It's so nice. You never get ink in your pocket. It's kind of, it, like, I wear it as, like, a, the ones with the clip on them. I wear them as a tie clip. You just put that John in there. That's straight John Lopez move right there, right? That's what that is. Um, John Lopez makes his own tie clips out of uh, recycled materials, though, because um, he's the most interesting man in the world. Z had such a huge impact on me and showed me, like, how you could connect with students in ways that you could connect with students, even if, like, you were vastly different than, than they were or you came from different backgrounds. He was the guy that would like, he just, I, I could have stories for days about Mr. Z. That was the first big one. I'd say when I started teaching, um, there was a woman named Miss Aragon, uh, Miss Bell first and then Miss Aragon. She was someone that um, had my back, like no matter what. And, and I knew it on a level that like, she would stick up with me for me, like, or, or ride for me when, when something went down. But, um, cause first year you just make mistakes but then would always have real talks with me afterwards. And we were not the same type of educator either in that 
she was very disciplined. She was very stern, uh, took no nonsense. And I was kind of still on a jackass, but um, that was really important to me as well. I'd say later, uh, some of the, yeah, I just, I've connected with a lot of people, like my community that is largely gone now, but like uh, Meeks at school and Meeks, I haven't seen all year because we're virtual. Uh, Stu um, is, is one of my guys that like I go to for everything. Cho was one of those people for me and Yank, and they were just like, that's when work friends became more than work friends. And I, that had happened before, but like they were folks that like on a soul level, you just connected with um, and helped. It was, you feel a little bit like Jerry Maguire. You complete me. And so that's what it felt like. It was like Cho and Yonk filled gaps in who I was and in my planning and in who I was as a teacher that really now that they're gone, I'm like, damn, like this is hard. But I would even <laughs> say this year, it's figuring out new people and folks show up in your life. Like, so I would shout out my girl, uh, Miss Walker at our school has been really, really helpful because she just knows how to use tech better than I do. And I can't figure out Schoology. It seems like the most complicated, you know, convoluted thing in the world. Uh, but I can call her. She's always patient. She's always nice to me uh, and helps me through it. So, yeah, I think that that's what, that's what I'm thinking of. Um, abroad, let's just say abroad real quick. Um, there's tons of people that I've gotten to know through social that I just think are the greatest. Like my guy uh, called me Shivy. Uh, Dustin Ecker is on Instagram is really interesting. He just started a YouTube channel actually. Um, and, uh, teach hustle inspire. I only know people's profile. I can't Sean Woodley. Um, though all those folks and then gosh, and then the people on here that I've met, there's grief, man, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. All right. What do you got? Okay. Josephine is asking, how do you help students with PTSD in the classroom? Oh yeah. This is a great question. Uh, Josephine, I think, you know, I talk about this in the book, but, um, and I should, we should have shirts made of this. We should just have shirts made. Uh, they, that was, all right. <laughs> yeah, I was, was waiting for you to get that. I'm um, busy talking. I think, you know, one of the things I say in the book is that it is your attention, not your advice that is important. And for any of you that have ever gone through anything, um, that was really like gut wrenching. You lost someone close to you. You almost, you know, you you uh, have gone through like a, a bout with with a disease or, or or something along those lines. Like something that's crushing. Um, I, you know that no one can say anything to make you feel better, right? So like, if someone dies, you're not going to get a phone call from someone, and they're going to go, "Hey, I'm really sorry that that happened to you," and you're going to go, "You know what? I appreciate that. I actually feel better now." It, it doesn't work that way. The, and there's still value in calling someone and telling them that. But I think the bottom line here is that you show up um, to be there with someone, to just sit with someone in their time of hurt and anger. And, and that is, I think, how you help people get through it. Because look, I'm not a licensed counselor. I don't know if, like what the right questions are. I just know that if it's in you, um, it can become toxic. So it's about creating pathways and pipelines for students to share and express and explore who they are and what's going on in their lives. And so we create safe spaces in our classrooms where all kids can show up and be who they are. And look, that, that means a lot of different stuff, right? That is like, that, that starts before the PTSD. And, and if the PTSD is there now, I think it's just 
creating safe spaces for kids to be with you, for you to sit with them, for you to talk about it with them if they want to talk about it. And that just means facilitating the conversation. It just means asking questions and getting kids to share stuff and maybe sharing a little bit about yourself. But I think when we're trying to create safe spaces, it is not the day, like it's not the day the incident happens. So um, last year we had this horrific, horrific event where um, one of my students and his whole family were murdered in their house. And after that, it was like they, the school brought in all these therapists and counselors and stuff like that. Um, but our students didn't largely want to go sit with them. They didn't want to talk to them. They didn't want to open up with them. And it makes sense, right? Because they want to talk to the people that they know. So those of us that had already created safe classrooms were able to connect with those boys on a level that um, therapists weren't able to because the safety was already there. And so that looks like being like, it, it doesn't matter what you, I, I, I largely don't believe, think that your beliefs about what's right or wrong or what's good or bad in, in the world or in the country or in the universe is relevant. So making sure that students who are, um, you know, have different political beliefs, maybe you are, you're a Biden fan and you have Trump supporters in your classroom. It's letting those kids know their opinion matters, their story matters. Uh, they have to be cool with everyone else, right? You just can't come in like, you know, acting a fool. But like, um, you can have those different beliefs, different religious beliefs, different beliefs in, in what's, you know, like uh, their sexuality is different. Their background is different. What they do for money. Um, so like when I have kids I know are caught up in the streets, um, I don't hold that against them. Our classroom is a safe space for everyone. And as long as you're cool, if you are act rude or disrespectful to someone, that's a different, that's a different conversation. Um, but when you do that and everyone knows it, then kids just show up and that's how you help them through whatever it is they're going through. Um, because really like Mr. Rogers says, whatever is mentionable is manageable. And once we can get that out and we can do something with it, whether that's talk about it, whether that's cry about it, whether that's be angry about it, whatever that is, it's no longer locked inside of you. It doesn't hold you hostage anymore. Can um, you, can you read this one? Yeah. Amy Russell is asking, how do I overcome the cognitive dissidence of teaching like this while keeping my attitude in check and positive pressure to perform is fear-based and intrinsic rewards of teaching is lost. Uh, that's a great question. So Amy, you know, here's the thing. I've only been in this for, I taught for, I think two weeks now, two whole weeks, something like that, maybe three. Uh, cause you know, time is lost. I just sit here in the laundry room all day. Um, I, what I'm seeing is I have kids I'm giving work to, right? And they're just not doing it. And then I have kids that like when I was in school and let's say I have a journal entry or, or do now on the board. I didn't have to go around and grade all of those right then because I knew who was engaging by watching kids engage, by reading their stories, by answering the question, by sharing their, their, you know, formula to the, to the problem, like whatever, whatever it is. Um, formula the problem that didn't even make sense, but anyway, you know what I'm saying? Um, it is. And so in that, um, so you're on week seven. Um, so gonna have, I'm still going to go same answer and then it might shift with time. I never before had to so punitively sort of grade things, but in a moment when I'm not sure that most of my class is even paying attention to me, I think they're watching TV, playing video games, or doing something else besides paying attention to what's happening on the screen. Um, you have to, right? It's like, there's like this level right now where I'm trying to figure out how do I not make everything point-based? 
how do I not make everything about extrinsic value, right? Like, can there be a little bit of intrinsic value here? And I'm trying to, to navigate that. So what, what like coming up, um, a lot of my colleagues have been using Nearpod. So they've been creating lessons on Nearpod that are student paced uh, and they go through it, but then it feels somewhat like I'm not, like, why am I there? Like you could have just went, like you could have just got like your textbook from Houghton Mifflin Harcourt or, 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 you know, we're using a new textbook this year. I think it's called My Perspectives or something. I haven't looked at it very much lately, but there's all kinds of online pieces for that. It's like, you don't even need, like, why do I need to exist if I'm just making stuff and giving it to you and shipping you off? So that, that's been tricky. Um, and I'm still trying to figure that out, right? So what I'm thinking this week is like, maybe there's like 10 minutes of in-person time. You go do the activity and then you come back 10 minutes before class is over. We check in, make sure everyone understood what was going on or whatever. And then I'm live the whole time, but I just ship kids off to go do stuff. Maybe something like that. I think for your, for your sanity, um, look, I, I mean, gosh, I've been thinking about so much stuff around this, but I really think, um, it is having what, here's what I'm working with right now. We're trying to figure out if Saturdays, even though I have a hundred things to do, even though I know I haven't put like an actual YouTube video out since June, um, it's because I've been working with tons of companies and I can say those companies, correct? So just to give people a sense yes. of like, so it's like, not like little stuff either. It's like, how a Mifflin Harcourt or working with Verizon, I just did a deal with or working with Adobe. So these are like exciting things that I get to do, but there's only so much time. Can, the question is, can I take all day Saturday and do nothing? So I still do mentor calls on Saturdays and that's a little bit different because that's actually life giving to me, but it's like, can I take a whole day on Saturday and not, and not do anything, but in a good way? Like I'm not just sitting in my house and watching TV unless I need it. But like yesterday we went out for the day with the kids and did all kinds of stuff. Um, am I being mindful about what I'm eating, right? The science behind like being in a good mood shows that 90% of your body's serotonin is created in your gut. And so if my being mindful about what I'm putting in my gut, so I, right now I've cut out flour and I've cut out, uh, refined sugar and it's almost all sugar actually, cause I'm not eating any fruit or anything like that. But like that eating that way is, and then and then eating stuff that, that, that brings gut health, right? So like, I've realized this is boring for some people. I'm going to hurry through it. Uh, kombucha and kimchi and a bunch of other things that start with K and taste like crap. Um, <laughs> I am consuming that stuff so that I can have a healthier gut biome. I'm making sure that in between classes when I'm teaching virtually, I walk outside and I just like walk amongst my flowers. I'm just getting some, some, some sunlight. And when I, days that I can't do that, I'm always making sure that I'm taking vitamin D supplements anyway, so that it balances that kind of stuff out. And then I'm making sure the last thing is that I'm touching base with people every week that give me life. So this week I met up with a woman in a course that I'm taking um, named Fatima and we had a really great conversation. And then my boy, Justice Lopez, uh, and I put this on Instagram the other day, hung out and that was like, it just fills me with life, man. So that's, that's what I'm, that's what I do to kind of mitigate some of those things. Um, so yeah, I can have a whole really long conversation about that, but that's just a few things. Go ahead, dude. All right, Chris Strong is asking, hey Reynolds, um, two questions. One, what's your secret to not working past 4 p.m. while staying on top of grading and lesson prep? And two, question two, I gave a practice math quiz to a student and wasn't able to, and he wasn't able, and a student wasn't able to answer any of the questions. Any advice to get him back on track? Yeah, so um, I, don't, I don't always stop at 4 p.m. right now, uh, but, I, but I'm doing this 
mindfully, right? Like it is, uh, I, so the way my schedule works is I usually work from about nine to two teaching. And so at two, I'm done, right? Our school still goes to like three 30 or something like that, but I don't have an eighth period class any day of the week. So I'm done at two. So I make it only go to four, but there are some times when I'm just like, dude, I need an extra hour, an extra two hours. I'm trying to get something done. I'm trying to set something up. I'm trying to learn something. So when that something's happens, not working. it's generally yeah. the case. So, but it's, it, it, oh my gosh, I know. This yeah, week right. was a lot of that. Yeah, there was a lot of that. So the way that I'm doing that is, um, I like bought myself a candle, um, called a mandel. I'm not really sure why it's like a man candle, but it doesn't really smell any different than any other candle. So yeah, it's like more manly. Scented. I think I just like, yeah, but that's, Sexist. I just like calling it a mandel. That's true. <laughs> I'm in the back with my flannel shirt on, <laughs> my cigar box guitar, I'm a mandel. Uh, I am, so I make an event out of it, right? So like when I do it, so like, so it's an enjoyable time. I'm trying to create something, learn something, do something. So I like might get a glass of wine or like a cup of coffee, uh, light my candle, set the lighting accordingly. And I just make an event out of it, put jam, sweet jams on and, and then sit with that. So it's it's an event. I just kind of laugh because I think if anybody knows you from at least for the last few years, if you can tell, CJ makes an event out of everything. I do like making events he, out of things. He, everything's a thing. Like even with our kids, like when they do stuff, it's like a thing. When they go on like a little walk or a bike ride, it's he has a name for it. It's called like the not so extraordinary oh, adventures. Right? Everything awesome. CJ does is a thing. So I think that that's kind of like your. You sprinkle magic on everything. Everywhere CJ goes, he just sprinkles magic, I, I think. I need glitter in my life. <laughs> you do. So, you know, the idea there, Chris, though, is that I'm trying to, um, I do go over, but if I don't, um, it's sometimes I just have to put that hard out, right? And what I do is, here's what you have to listen to. Listen to what's going on inside of you, because there, on Friday night, um, I was exhausted. I mean, it was such a long week. And... In Florida, there was uh, NASA was sending a rocket up into space. And so apparently in our neighborhood, we heard that like if we went somewhere that was south facing, we could see the rocket at like nine o'clock at night or something like that. I was so tired, dude, I couldn't even do it. Like my kids were like, come on, dad, it's like a great experience. We're going to go see rockets take off in the space. Some of my kids sound like in my head. And, um, and I was just like, no, I like, I don't want to get off the couch. So I'm mom so did it tired. and I couldn't find the right way. <laughs> I think you guys looked, the, you were looking west for a rocket. In, <laughs> we were the compass and south. But, you know, the point there is that you're giving, you're like, you are, you feel what you need. And then you do what your body's telling you to do sometimes. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes you got to tell your body what the hell to do. But like, it's that gentle balance. What do you do with a kid that, that scored really poorly? I would talk to him and say, first of all, bro, what the hell's going on? Right? Like, uh, I heard a really great line today that said, um, I care about you too much or I love you too much to tell you what you want to hear. I'm going to tell you what you need to hear. And so I know sometimes when like assessments come in, we don't always want to give students like the real feedback because we're afraid that they're going to, it's going to hurt their feelings. It's going to bring down their confidence, but I'm about meeting kids where they are and then creating a battle plan as to how you're going to get to where you want to be. So it's like just talking to that dude and be like, bro, did you like not care? Did you give up? Did you not know it? Um, Whatever one of those is the real answer, cool. Let's take it from there and build up to where we need to be and then come up with a plan. And who cares if it sticks with the curriculum, man? Like maybe that, like I have tons of kids that like can't read the Odyssey on the level that we do. 
um, like on the reading level that, that we're actually reading at. And I have to give them graphic novels or I give them shorter versions or I give them easier versions. And so that's what I do. Uh, you just figure out ways to help kids to, to win. Um, but that takes owning who you are in the moment. It's not pretending that you are, uh, it's like when I had like when, when during quarantine, man, look, I wore the same size pants since I was in high school during quarantine. It was beer and, and cookie dough right out of the container. I was just raw. I was eating any, I was eating like it was the end of the world. Like who cares, man? Um, and so, right. We were full <laughs> tilt. I kind of couldn't believe it. I was like, Doing? I looked like the dude. I was wearing pajama pants and a robe all day and just sit on the couch with like a spoonful of cookie dough. And then eventually I just start bringing the whole thing with me. And I'm like, yo, I don't know what's going on. It was like that scene from Mr. Mom when he gets all fat and stuff and he starts wearing those nasty flannel shirts. Um, but when I would put on real pants every once in a while, there's a difference between letting myself know, like, like, I don't have to be mean to myself. But it's not like, oh, I think these pants are, they're a little snug. Maybe I'm, you know, maybe I need, like, it was being real with myself and saying like, no, you're gaining too much weight because you're being lazy with this, this, or this. Or you are, you need to bring back exercise or put down the cookie dough, dude. Um, <laughs> it was having those real conversations with myself. And I think we can do that with the students as well. What you got? Um... Because I don't know how to say your last name, I'm going to say Miss Audrey is asking, Hi Reynolds, how can you empower girls in class? They are shy and don't participate as much as boys. No time outside class to talk and help. Thanks for your help. Oh, why isn't there no time outside of class? Well, maybe because you're virtual or you're... All right, so anyway, here's what I'm going to do. Oh my God, COVID restrictions. Who yeah. knows? There's all kinds of pieces. Cool. I love it. I love restrictions because it helps It helps take this to the next uh, thing. Um, butcher box is on the way. Yeah. Just so you know, it just popped up in the middle Good, of the um, I This is such a great question. Audrey, I would say it's all about confidence. It's all about letting the young women that you're working with know that they're worth something, that their story's worth something, they're worth something, their thoughts and feelings are worth something, and that you care about what those things are. So if there's no time inside or outside of class, it's, I think, um, I've written notes to students or just written letters to students to let them know. I have sent um, like voice messages to kids or, uh, or sent emails to kids and let them know like, hey, I noticed you in class. You said this one thing the other day really quick. Or I saw you do this one thing or on this problem, I can see that you didn't give up something, right? What you're doing is it's drops in the bucket of, of building up confidence in folks. And what I think, you know, what that does is, is, is it lets kids know that you see them and that they matter. And when we can do that for young people over time, they might not let you know right away. You might not ever know, right? Like, but I've just had it happen so many times where years later, folks have showed up and they're like, Reynolds, I don't know if you know this or not, but like this meant a really big deal to me. I just got a letter. I just got a DM from someone a student taught. Did you see this the other day? Mm, I didn't. Someone a student taught, Mandy. Um, oh, I saw like the portion of it pop up and I was And like, oh. I wrote her a letter her senior year of high school. This is after like I had already been gone from student teaching and like she was finally a senior. And she was like, I read this letter again and it's, it made me cry again. I don't oh. know if you ever knew like how much this meant to me. And I didn't, I had no idea. I don't even remember writing the letter. But uh, then so it's just like you don't know where your outcome is really where it's gonna where that's gonna happen um you can turn on the 
Sink, do it, dude. We no, love you. No, she wants candy. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Get it, girl. Do it. Take um, one to your brother, please. So it, I just think that that is uh, that's that's how I would do it. I think the other thing is is showing you showing what confidence looks like, right? Like, so if if I am um, if I'm if I have a sense of what I think uh, a way that men should act and treat other people and carry themselves, I try to emulate that for the young men that I work with because I want them to see that, for instance, um, men can be vulnerable. Men can, I don't really cry in school. I really try hard not to because I freaking cry at everything. But like, I try to uh, be open. I try to be respectful. I try to show that I'm not just um, holding the door for someone because she's a woman, but because it's a person, because I'm actually trying to be kind, because I'm, I show what it looks like to have uh, relationships with women that are just my friends or they're my colleagues or they're someone that I respect. And it's not just always about like, you know, you know, yo Reynolds, are, so you eat lunch with so-and-so and it's like, bro, what are you even talking about right now? And so trying to emulate that, I think that's a really good way that you can build confidence in your students as well. Um, and then, uh, yeah, it's that, it's the no time out of class that's really tricky. Cause I'm just thinking like, could you set up like a club that th th those in individuals are involved in? Could you, if you're virtual, could you set out a breakup room that they're in and then every day you just kind of touch base with them really quick or hold them back for two minutes after class or something like that would be another way that I would think about doing it too. But that's my, that's my um, first, you know, thought. Um, we're at 30 minutes. Uh, no, that's not for you. Oh, um, no, I wanted to do the, tell them about the book. Oh, go ahead. Cool. So we're going to give away a book today. Um, uh, at least one, maybe more than one. So we'll see. But all I need you to do is um, you have until we'll, we'll say until tonight when the Eagles game starts, which is at eight forty-five. I don't know why the Eagles are playing so late tonight. Um, Eagles start at like eight forty-five or something like that. Whenever the Eagles game starts, uh, I'm gonna we're gonna do a random check, and all you have to do is just DM me on Instagram because it's gonna get there's too much stuff on here. I don't want to flood this feed. So if you just go on Instagram, Real Rap with Reynolds on Instagram, send me a DM, tell me that you want the book. Um, if you already have the book, maybe. Get one and give it to somebody that wants it. Somebody that you know that, that would love to have the book. And then I'll just, uh, I'll post on social at uh, around nine o'clock who, who won the book. And, and I'll just put it in my stories so you can see. And then uh, if no one claims that, which happens sometimes. I feel like we give stuff away sometimes and then it's crickets. I have had you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So uh, we'll just give it away to somebody else. So that's all you have to do. Go on Instagram, DM us. Uh, I want the book. And then even if you already have it, you can give it to somebody like, uh, you away. know, yeah. So that's it. Great. Um, Josephine is asking, how do you help a student with PTSD in the classroom when you're discussing particular topics that might trigger them? Oh, that's a really great question. She touched on that earlier. We already asked, yeah. like, just in general in the classroom, but. Yeah. Dude, so um, last year when, when my student uh, was, was murdered, uh, we were in the middle of, or, or towards the end of reading the Odyssey. And in the, at the end of the Odyssey, Odysseus shows back up at home. Um, this story has been out for like thousands of years. So I don't, I think we're past the spoiler alert, but Odysseus shows back up at home and like kills all of these men that were trying to take his world, uh, in Ithaca. And so it was like, I don't want to, I don't want to read this now. I just like, it doesn't feel like the right moment to, to finish the story. So we just like, I just explained real quick what happened um, in, in a sort of gentle way. And then we just read the end of the story and then that was it. Uh, I think, you know, 
there's, I, I think there's a number of things you can do around this. One, do you have to do whatever it is in your curriculum that you feel like is, could be a potential issue for students? If you can get around it, if you can just like get past it, tell kids real quick what happened and then go on, like instead of getting into all the gory details, maybe that's a vibe, maybe, or maybe that's a way. Uh, maybe connecting with students and saying, hey, look, this is what's coming up in class. And I just wanted to kind of talk to you about it and see what, how you were thinking and feeling about stuff because um, I don't want to be insensitive. So it's just like noting the thing. It's giving the students the power to decide whether or not they want to work on something independently. They want to put in headphones and read something else, like work on something else. That would be all right too. And then just figuring that out. Because look, I think at the, at the end of the day, it's what we're doing, whether or not it's the question we're asking ourselves here is not because it's on the test, not letting the reason we do something be because we feel like we're going to lose our job. We're going to get in trouble. It's on the curriculum. Everyone else is learning about this. I don't want you to get left out, whatever it is. It's what are we doing for students? And so if we make that question, if we shift the question, make it student centered and say, what does this child actually need right now? Like if their well-being and their success is of my utmost concern, what can I do to then um, make them feel the best that they can feel? And if that means that we're skipping some stuff, if that means that we're not going over certain things or discussing certain things because a student is feeling some type of way. So like um, we used to read a, a book called Speak. Um, and in that book, it talks a lot about rape culture in, in America. And what I didn't account for was like how many students I would have that had had that like were either like ha had been victims of rape, had known someone that were victims of rape, had dealt with being molested when they were younger. And that made me like not want to teach that book anymore. Not because we couldn't talk about it, but because it was just like when you're so young and you're so unprocessed and then to talk about something, um, it or it made me like at least carry it a different way to teach it a different way with more gentleness than, than, um, than I would have maybe. So I think that's that's part of what my, my answer would be for that. What you got? Um, we are at the 30 minute mark, so we're gonna jump around to different questions that uh, we think. Random time with yes. Reynolds. Oh my God, is this, are you gonna spin now every time? Okay, no, the crafty preschool uh, crafty preschooler is asking, how do you keep your virtual classroom from exploding all over your house? How do you contain it all and keep it organized? Well, great who, question. Who was that, Crystal? No, the crafty preschooler. Oh, okay. Crafty preschooler, what you can't see right now in my house is that <laughs> I, so I bought a new desk, um, just Thank like goodness. this cheap Ikea desk, right? But it has like 90,000 drawers all over the place, right? Um, I also like neatness where like all of my headphones like have, like I made this thing. So it's like, they have a hook on there. The pencil sharpener is there. My remote control for all my lights is there. Um, if you see my classroom videos, like everything has a container and is labeled. Also, what you can't see is that we have a door waiting to be installed. Yes. Because literally, like... Because it's so loud. It's and so I'm loud. loud. And then the kids are loud. And then the cooking is loud. And doing the dishes is loud. school and virtual teaching There's the same a lot time. going on. Yeah. So, um, I think it is been one. I put away everything that I'm not using right now. So, I just put everything in my attic. Uh, so, I know that's not going to get... Because we have just, like, a cellar. And then it gets all gross down there. So, um... I put away everything that I'm not using right now. So like even in this drawer right here, like I just put stuff in here today. It's not completely finished yet. But um, 
any pen or pencil or marker that I'm not using is not in there. If there were two of something, one went upstairs into our bedroom where we have an office in our bedroom uh, as let's well. Let's be accurate. One went on that little kitchen table right next door to this room um, for me to figure out where to put. You told me <laughs> to do that. I did because Same. I knew it would go there anyway. In front of the world, we have to have a unified front I know. Right now. I mean, this is real, right? We're with the Reynolds? Yes. All right. So, um, the other thing is like, I, I just, I have stuff everywhere. Like the, my wife, this drives her crazy. I have like a printer over here. It's on top of an Ikea stool. And I'm just trying to figure that out. So it's, I think number one is getting rid of stuff that you're or putting it away, what you're not using right now. So like things that I won't use until like later units, they're just away. I want to have them out. I want to have them around, just not enough room. And then, um, get like, so that's that's my biggest piece of advice is like just paring it down to what's actually needed today so this is kind of like more minimalism feel to, to what i'm doing so yeah oh i didn't even and it, look if you're not an organized person maybe you are maybe you're not i bring in organized people to help me out my wife's super organized and so i help let her help me the reason that i have Edie, my helper uh like one of the things that she helps us do is like organize emails, organize my, my Google drive. Cause it's a hot mess of disaster. So, I've, um, I've learned I'm very good at organization, like tactile things. Like yeah, when not it's virtual. here, digital organization is, I suck. Yeah. So you so find I'm a friend that, for but people love doing that too, right? Yeah, like that's if you, our gym. you like enjoy helping our kids like organize their rooms or like giving people ideas on how to do yeah, stuff. I would like, say I'm an organized person before we started real rap with Reynolds. Yeah. And then I had to that's actually be organized. That's uh, digitally. I, that's not my jam. Yeah. Cool. What do you got? Okay. Uh, Joyce H is asking, um, do you do anything different when the loud attention drawing students are not in class one day? Um, part two is how do you address when students get into in school suspension or out of school suspension? Do you address it with the class? Okay, these are awesome questions. So I would say, uh, do you do anything different when loud attention drawing students are? All right, so um, one of the things I do is I note that how class went that day, right? So like, look, no one's under any illusion that these kids aren't really causing the chaos that they're causing. Um, and sometimes that's you, right? Sometimes it's the teacher and how they handle it. But other times students pay into play into that also, right? Where you'll have a kid that's acting up and then everyone is like fanning the flames of that, that dumpster fire. And then I don't want to call a kid a dumpster fire, but like the situation in your classes seems feels like a dumpster fire, right? It is, uh, when you do that, you know, when that happens, what we need to do is let students know, hey, look, this isn't all me. This isn't some dictatorship. This is a community that we're learning in. And although I am like the lead facilitator of this situation, uh, you guys play a part also and you have power. So if you fan the flames of someone's behavior, good or bad, it has an effect. So if someone does something great and you compliment them on it or say good job, which is the same thing as complimenting them on it, that is going to encourage that individual to do this that again or encourage other people to do it. But if you're encouraging bad behavior or behavior that is uh, helping us, keeping us from being successful, that's the same thing, right? You're, you still have that power. So it's just letting students know that they hold some level of power. And then I think talking to the individuals that are doing it. So the, the kid who's acting out is acting out for whatever reason, right? 
some and and it's there's never no reason right so if you ask a kid like yo what's going on why are you doing this and they go i don't know it's nonsense there's something going on that is that is that is helping that is making that student act in a particular way um and that's that's one thing that needs to be handled but other students need to be handled as well and let them know that like i see you this isn't this isn't a mystery um and if class goes really well the day without that student it's like yeah but look you guys are all on point too like this wasn't just that student and it's actually talking about how great class can be and that you want class to be a great place and you want them learning to be alive and to be exciting it's noting those things and not not shying away from them with regards to suspensions how do we adjust when student gets suspended uh, i talk to students i don't talk about it in front of the whole class ever i don't put anyone's business out there so what i would do is when that kid comes back typically is talk to them before class or after class or during lunch or in the beginning of the day and say hey look um i'm noticing like i heard what happened the other day uh and i just want you to know that like whatever like i'm here for you that i was disappointed that i was surprised that um i wasn't sure i didn't think that's like who you were or, or what happened um or or trying to find out why that that happened with that with that student because not always depending on depending on your school not always do schools like practice restorative practices very well and so suspensions are sound like those sort of write-ups sound more like a police report and then a kid goes to the office and they get suspended and it's very clinical even if they meet with a counselor or something it can be very clinical and so what you're doing is helping them to unpack that uh past like the the stuff that happens in the office it's like regular people just having a conversation about something the reason i like noting those things is because i don't want kids to think that i don't notice or that i don't care Yo, what happened after school? You got to fight with that dude? Why? Like, what's even going on? What? How could we have figured out a better way to deal with this? Maybe you need to just come talk with me and, like, unload a little bit. And, like, we can have these conversations going forward so that you're not getting so frustrated. Or I, I just think that I would note it, but it would be, like, in a more caring sense and not so much putting someone on blast or making them feel bad. But, like, hey, look, I don't know what's going on, but, like, you need to know that I care about you. And nothing you're ever going to do is going to make that stop so like even though you got enough you know you punched a lunch lady it's like i still want to talk to you and, and help you figure that out don't punch lunch ladies no don't do that okay fred davis is asking how do i express to my principal that our new math instructional coach wants me to place all of my top students in the front of the class and move the lows to the back without sounding negative that's, that's a terrible idea it's a real thing oh that's unbelievable so, yeah. sort of I want to say it's unbelievable it's not um I would gosh uh oh my goodness yeah, it's a I'm tough trying one. to think it's of what really I would do for that one I wouldn't be... do it there's just no chance I would do it yeah um I would seat students in a particular way because they're going to benefit from being seated in that. Well, wait, why do, you have to why do you have to explain that to your principal? Why can't you just have a conversation with the, the instructional coach saying why, it's, why you don't think that that's a good I think idea. that's what I would do. I don't know that I would go to the principal. I think yeah. I would handle it one-on-one -on -one and I would yeah. just say, yeah, that's, I'm not going to do that. Because? Um, but he, because, <laughs> uh, I just got, looked very stern at you. Um, <laughs> because, and, and, but that's what you have to come up with, right? You have to come up with yeah. your why. So 
here's all you have to remember, right? Whenever someone asks you to do anything that's completely asinine and is like not helping children, when I don't do stuff, when I like, I, now look, let, let's let's go with this. Let me say this on the front. Let me let me uh, let me counterbalance what I'm gonna say with this. Maybe go with the spirit of what I'm saying and not the actual thing that I'm saying, because I realize that many times it can come off as someone that is just like, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's confident or cocky or, or, or what it is, but, um, I do things a certain way, uh, and sometimes with ease, right? So like I have been known to not go to meetings. I've been known to walk out of PDs. I've been known to do what I want to my room. I've been known to have conversations with students that like no one else wants to have. I've been known to like tell admin, no, like I'm not doing that. I don't want, I know you signed me up for this thing and I'm not doing it. Um, but that is always because I know what's best for me and I know what's best for my students. It's never about me getting out of work. So it's never about me not um, trying to be a team player. Although I think being a team player is important. Um, if the team's doing it wrong, I'm just not going to do it. So like when Odysseus and all of, and when all of Odysseus his men die because they were like, they just blindly followed him. I'm just not going to do that. Um, cause I'm looking big picture. I'm seeing what's really going on. And this happens all the time in school where I'm, where we're sort of like mandated to do something. And I just decide that's not something I'm going to do. The thing though, is that I'm never doing it just to be a jerk. So if, if that, if someone came to me and said, put your best students in the front and put your worst students in the back, um, I'm never going to do that because I know that's not good for kids. I know that those kids that are sitting in the back have been sitting in the back their whole lives. That those are students that might be silently suffering from something like a, a processing disorder, from dyslexia, from dysgraphia, from dyscalculia, where, you know, you don't see the outward signs of a lot of those particular learning differences, but they exist. And so what we're doing is what we've always done in doing that. If we put kids in the back of the class is pushing kids to the back that we're saying, you're just not worth it. You're just not worth the real estate that's up here. You're not worth the time, the effort, the extra, you know, special education, uh, teachers to come in, the counselors to come in, the people that are going to help you to learn a way that you're going to learn. We're saying that that's not worth, you're not worth the investment that. And I've said this before, and look, I've gotten in trouble for this shit on Twitter, and I'm going to say it again. School has been created for vanilla children. And what I mean by that, right, is kids that are average. Kids that, bless them, man, that, you know, they don't have, like, they don't have learning differences. They learn to, they learn to walk at the right time. They learn to speak at the right time. They learned math and science and English, and they start reading on time. All these things came at the, the mile markers that the pediatrician or, the, or the, the test says that they should. So what do we do when some students are mint chocolate chip or Rocky Road? What do we do, what I mean by that also is, what do we do with kids that don't fit the typical patterns of, or, or, or aren't the average, right? We don't throw these children out. We don't get rid of them. We don't put them in the back of the classroom or send them out of class or just keep suspending them or tell them they have to transfer to another school. That's not our job. Our job was as educators to show up to be the teacher we wish we had when we were younger, to show up to be the teacher we dreamed about being, to show up to be the teacher that that student needs. And so if that means that all the smart kids that are getting it anyway, put them in the back. 
give them or partner them with somebody that they're going to be able to help them out. You know, so there's, there's some sort of like uh, symbiotic like partnership there that it is helping to meet student needs and learning as a community and not as this or that, not as um, smart or dumb, not as behaves well or doesn't behave well, because all students want to be successful. The reason they act out is, is an, any number of reasons, but you know, like the ones that come to mind are that they are, they don't believe that the work is going to give them the results that they're promised, right? Or there's some baggage. There's something that has happened in the past where they think I'm just not good at math. No kid is just not good at math. Kids are maybe not understanding the equation. They're not understanding the word problem because of the way it's worded. They don't know what the hell a manatee is. And so why is that in the word problem? And I don't even know what a manatee is. And what the hell is a sea cow? What do you mean a manatee is a sea cow? There are other cows that live in the sea. It's like, or they can't pay attention or they can't sit still. It is our job to reach those kids where they are, bring them up to where they need to be. Um, and that's what I would tell my curriculum director if that was the problem. And who's going to argue with you? Who can fight with you? Like they can try, but what you're saying is I'm putting kids first. I'm putting test grades second or last or fifth. I don't know. I didn't have enough things. To, to, you get what I'm saying. But that's, that's where I'm coming from with that. That's a long answer. That was a great question. I love that you even are even battling with that because it just shows that you're awesome and that you do care about the kids and that like if that didn't bother you, then that would be a different conversation. But I think it's fantastic. What do you All got, right, dude? Next question. Coda is asking, how would you go about addressing the current political climate with kids that are anxious about the political and social climate going on right now, but without uh, adding political bias? Yeah. So I look, I One, it's, I think, accepting the fact that there might be some implicit bias there, right? So before we talk about these things, a lot of reasons that people don't talk about politics in school, religion in schools, uh, any number of other racism in schools is because they're nervous, because they're afraid that their implicit bias are going to come out and, and be there. And so it's just owning that. It's just saying, look, I, I don't know. If I, like, look, I know where I stand on things. I know how, what I believe um, ethically, morally you know, whether it's tied to my religion, whatever it is, um, that's probably going to seep out in some way, shape or form. I don't want it to. So kids, I'm just letting you know on the front end, I'm going to try and be as fair as possible. My job is not to tell you how I think, feel, or, or, or what I think should be happening. My job is to facilitate conversations. My job when talking about that, and I think this is what, this is how you, you do this in class is we're going to create a safe space where everybody can believe what they want to believe. And we are going to learn to listen to one another because I hate, I don't want to be the old guy that's like, no, what's wrong with our country right now. But I think, I don't know. I just became Southern right there all of a sudden, but I think that what is wrong in some senses with the country right now is that there is this divide and the divide comes when we cancel one another out because of what we think, feel, or believe instead of just asking questions. So if somebody, uh, I was having a conversation with a friend the other day who didn't like that um, dudes just keep riding. We have like a lot of dudes that ride around in our neighborhood with like pickup trucks with giant like uh, Trump flags flying off the back of them. I was talking to some people about it and they were like, yeah, why do they have to do that all the time? I hate that. And like, they were just like, it like aggravated them. I said, really? Like, I 
it just makes me want to ask. Like, man, like, not only are you a supporter, you, like, you didn't get the shirt, you didn't get the banner for the front of your house. Like, you, you like, invested time and energy into, like, creating a contraption that holds a flag and then buying the flag and sailing it behind your truck. Like, that's interesting to me. Um, would you talk to me about this? And so, and that, I can go, I can go to some crazy lengths to talk about, like, some ways I've actually done that. But I think it is, what, what we're doing is we're, when we can do that in our classes, when we can just not criticize one another, but open up the space to not, you don't have to buy into what everyone's believing. You don't have to, you have to jump onto their, onto their, you know, into their camp and, and do what they're doing. But when we can learn to listen to one another, that's doing a couple of things here, right? Being able to actively listen, meaning somebody says, I think Donald Trump should be president because of this. It is for the kids that don't believe that, going, what did they just say? Can you tell me what they just said? Because now I know that you're actually listening. And then asking further questions to understand where they, how they came to think that, right? Or if somebody believe, if you live in Trump country and someone's a Biden fan or someone um, believes in, you know, whatever it is, whether it's gay marriage or whether it's the, the you know, legalization of marijuana, like whatever's coming up in, in your classes and what kids are talking about, and what's in the news and what, you know, what's the hot button topics. It is not shying away from things, but instead opening up space for kids to safely explore what they're thinking, feeling and, and what they're going through. Um, and when we can do that and we can teach kids active listening, we're also teaching them how to strengthen their argument. Because now when you learn someone's why, when you learn how, why, or what they're really into, then, and you can go, well, actually that goes against what I believe for this, this, and this reason. That's like, a, that's just a good persuasive essay to begin with. You're gaining information that you can now use in your argument to retort that information. And I think that that is teaching students to, to argue respectfully, to listen to one another, and to not just cancel out one another. This idea of cancel culture where we just throw, you know, the baby out with the bathwater, which is a really weird saying, um, that it's like learning to not do that, I think is something that we could all really benefit from. And look, that's in your marriage. That's when dealing with your kids. That's when dealing with your students. It's students dealing with one another. It's us dealing with coworkers. Um, that, that's what I would, that, that's, kind of how I, I, I go into that. Kathleen Turner is asking um, two questions. First part is, what are the top two to three reading and two to three writing skills you wish your students learned in, in middle school to help them succeed as readers, writers in high school? Most important or most overlooked? Um, that's that's a great question. I think re reading wise, I find that my students can't read uh, for a length of time, right? They have, they can only read for a little bit of time. So when we do say, take something like a state test, um, I think the reason that, you know, and look, I'm not, I'm not a fan of testing, but it is what it is. And SATs are a real thing. You really need them to get into most colleges or ACTs. So when my students see a lengthy passage that they have to read, they just go, nope. And then they just read the questions and try and find the answer. But in, in the text. And that's not always something that can be done, right? Like the, the questions aren't always like a, you know, um, who killed who, or how many babies does a panda have every year? It's not that kind of question that you can just go back and try and look it up. So to have students be able to what I call read with grit, to be able to, to get through something, even though it's not particularly interesting to you, but knowing that 
the reason behind why we're doing this is, is so much greater and, and really important. Um, like doing well on a test or uh, being able to sit through the whole uh, SAT or something like that. That's just something I wish kids had uh, the ability to do more of. And I think the way we do that is by giving kids things that they want to read. And so getting, when I give someone something they want to read, and then I say, hey, read for 20 minutes, it's not a big deal. If I give someone they, something they don't want to read, and I say, we're going to read this for one minute, it's like, oh my God, that's forever. Why, how can we ever read something for one minute? Um, so I think that's, that's the gig. The other thing is being able to annotate, I think is really important. So like, I wish kids were actively reading. They're not just reading, because when you just read, you often forget everything that you just read. But when you can attach it to your life, when you, that's why it's good to like read with a highlighter or write things in the margins. Like, how does this connect to your life? How is this interesting to you? How um, has this, uh, you know, like what's a word that you think is really interesting or you've never heard before that you had to look up? Helping kids to in, interact with their reading, I think, is a skill that benefits everyone. That's definitely something that's going to benefit you in college and beyond. And as a matter of fact, like people don't like borrowing certain books from me because I highlight and write in them all the time. So if my wife was going to read a book after me, it can be distracting because I have 50,000 things in there all the time. Um, with regards to writing, I think it is, it's one, I think it's getting kids to share the idea that like you're like, the reason you don't need to cheat on everything is a cheating culture in, in, amongst the students that I've had is, is just bonkers. I find that that's because, and I know that I've, I've felt like this a lot in my life, that my point of view is invalid. That if we can get kids to write about themselves or about things that they think are interesting, and then we can like cherish that a little bit and tell them like, no, like you're, you, you learning to share your voice is important. I don't want to see that you can copy what somebody else said. I don't want to see that your whole research paper was just citations of other people backing this. Like, like, how do you think and feel about this is really important. And then I think just basic grammatical ability is really understated. Like I, I teach ninth grade, the amount of, the amount of times I get, um, Hey guys, this has to be eight sentences long and it's eight lines. The amount of times that I get some kind of crazy stuff where it's like, uh, there is, um, like there are no capital, there's no capitalization. There's no punctuation. Um, kids that just are like do commas all over the place. And it's like, bro, let's talk about a period. Let's talk about the use of that. But I think the reason that I think part of the reason kids don't do that is because they don't know the importance. The reason we capitalize things is the reason we use punctuation is the reason that we capitalize, you know, like capitalize proper nouns or, or whatever, like letting kids know why they're doing any number of things is really important because then that's going to help them to actually go, Oh, okay. Like, Oh, I'm important. So I should capitalize my name. Okay. Oh, having a, a capital letter at the beginning of, of a sentence is a signal to my brain that I'm starting a new sentence. Got you. So I just think that helps. Uh, th that's what I would look at. What you got? Uh, well, her second question was, what are your favorite fun things to have students do if they finish a test or quiz early? I do ridiculous stuff. Um, I don't believe in giving kids more work when they're done doing what they're doing. It's like running past the finish line and then you just keep running until everybody else is done running the thing also. Um, so I do silly stuff, but I find silly stuff is also stuff they're actually going to do. So that might look like flip over your assessment and on the back, 
I want you to tell me which two cereals, if they were mixed together, would make the greatest taste explosion. Um, what is, uh, what are two animals, I like com combin like combining things. What are two animals that if you put them together would be the most badass thing in the world? Like, so if you put an eagle and a lion together, that's amazing. That's an amazing animal. Terrifying. Um, what is, what would the cover of your book like? Like, what are two teachers in the school that would make the greatest buddy cop movie? Explain why and what's the title of your movie? So then I have a competition at the end and I tell them I'm going to give them extra credit for the best answer, but I never do. I just make that up. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because I'm like, how can I really give you points on your vocab test? Because you came up with the best taste explosion cereal yeah. combination. Um, but that is something that I, I'll do. Or I've done things like giving kids expo markers and I ask them to draw like various weird crap on their desk. So I'll be like, uh, from memory, I want you to draw Mr. Rufo. Or I want you to draw like uh, a picture of what Cho would look like if she was if she smiled. Um, or just stuff like dumb stuff that I just get them to do. And... What that does is it's really buying other students time because when you're sitting there with nothing to do, it's like, I don't know where that, this came from. It was in the, but, uh, the, the old, uh, the idle hands of the devil's play thing or something like that. Like it really is. There's really only so much you can do before you get yourself in trouble when you're asked to just be quiet, um, or just like put your head down or something like that. Like, it's like, all you need is like one kid to do something that's funny and then it gets rolling so it's like give kids something to do that's amusing and that they're looking forward to having the best answer to so that they can share it afterwards and then th that's just a good transition into your next activity too is to show up all right the back of everyone's paper um my book would be called and then you're showing it and you're talking about it and then you all vote on who had the best one and then that kid gets imaginary extra credit ready yep okay um her name is ailey gill she that was a good try. Yeah, I don't really know. She said it's oh. pronounced like Haley without the H. Haley. Haley. So I did do it right. Good job. Haley Gill. That's a, that is a fantastic name. Thank I've you for heard. putting that in there because I would have just said Miss Gill. <laughs> how would you, um, she's asking, how would you handle a colleague referring to students in a racist way? I'm a student teacher and don't want to overstep. All right. So let me, yeah, this is know. a, man, this is such a good question. First of all, I went, I'm going to, can you read that that last part again? Because I, if folks could answer this in the comment section, I'd love to see what they already did. I type. like I found it because oh, word. Mr. James Pete was like, "Whoa!" In his response, I was like, "Uh oh, probably a good question." Um, yeah. So, how would you handle a colleague referring to students in a racist way? I'm a student teacher and don't want to overstep. So, there's a couple of things that I would do. I would one, I would talk to my cooperating teacher and just share. It, it might be good, something like that, if just addressed from the jump, um, you might be reacting out of a place that is that is sensitive, right? And so what you want to do is, I think, be um, a bit more controlled because I, and look, where I get come from that, not that it shouldn't just be handled immediately and just like, psh, no, in your face and I don't care how this is going to go. I get that, but I also get that like, when I'm mad at a student or when I get aggravated at a student... I can't, when I'm feeling that in my chest, um, I can't just go address it right then. I need to like take a breath, think about what happened, think about how I'm going to respond and then respond accordingly. Sometimes quick sort of vicious action needs to take place. But when I can, it's like, yo, I got, I would go to Cho and be like, yo, we got to talk about this. Like if that was me, I'd say, 
someone's being out of pocket and, and let me make sure I'm hearing this right. Let me see what your thoughts are on this. How do you think I should handle this? It doesn't mean I have to do what anybody else thinks I, I should do. I might just go and do it my own way anyway, but it's good to have somebody else help you process what you're thinking and feeling before you act on it. So I would go to my cooperating teacher and see what they thought. If I was in, if that happens and, and look, I've dealt with folks that have been blatantly racist or sexist in, in the work that I do too. Um, it's, I think letting people know that it's not okay that they're like, like, why, like, why are you telling me this? Like, why, why are you, why, like, are we assuming that I'm down with this or something? Like it, it's pushing back and letting people know, like, no, I'm not your guy for talking about like, like, I don't know whether it's racism, whether it's like, you know, making remarks about like the women that we teach with or something like that. Like, like if you're going to sit here and like comment on people's butts, like I'm not, I'm not your guy. So like, I, I don't know where you got that idea from. Sorry. If you, if I put something out there that made it feel like I'm your dude for that, but it's just not it. Um, and as a matter of fact, it's just not okay to talk about in general. And so, um, because it's hurtful to the students. Right. And so I, I think when, even when you're dealing with this, Whenever you're, and I, I know this is a repeating theme tonight, but like, I just want to, I just want to really hone in on it when, if, and I don't know, you didn't go into it enough for me to really speak to this, but like, if you're feeling like you're not sure if you should say something or if you don't feel confident enough, or if you're just kind of like, um, like, uh, like, I don't know, like a little bit meek or mild or, or introverted as a, as a human being, I think it's about remembering that that student, the, the students that you, that you teach, that you work with, um, need you to stand up for them. That is, that is what they need from you. And so when I often don't have the courage to do something because of me, because I'm thinking about me, because I'm thinking about my job, because I'm thinking about the, how this might come back on me. If I can look at my students, right? Look at the kids that, that are right in front of you, they will give you courage like that is that you don't get from anything else. They will give you courage to know that like if someone is talking or saying something that is racist and I can look at students of color that I, that I work with, that I love, that I care about, like they're my own children, shit, now it's game on. Now I'm going to do anything I got to do and I don't care really what the outcome is. Now that doesn't mean I'm going to go like nuts and punch someone in the face in the middle of the, you know, teacher's lounge, but it does mean that I'm going to handle it accordingly and I'm not going to shy away because these kids deserve it. Right. As, as, uh, Adam welcome and Todd Nesoloni say, um, that if someone is, you know, dissing, you know, females or dissing or like being rude about someone's sexuality, cause they don't believe it. Then like transgender people or something like that, they're like, that's not even real. It's like, bro, let me just stop you right there. Let's just have this conversation right now. Because what that does is I think whether you know it or not, you never know who's paying attention. You never know what other teacher is watching you. You never know what other teachers have been silent before. And then they watch you stand up and they go, damn shit, I could do that. Like that wasn't that bad. Like I, like I, like I should be doing more of that. You never know what students that's getting back to and whether or not you stood up, you showed up, you did what was right, no matter the consequences, that sort of thing has repercussions and on students like you wouldn't imagine. And so even when kids do that in class and I just hope, yo, we're not, 
we're not doing that. Like everything's gay in my school all the time, right? Like er everything is like, yo, this project's so gay. Reynolds, do we have to do this work? This work is so gay. It's like, I don't, bro, I don't even think you know what you're talking about right now, but we can't just throw, throw that word around, right? Um, or if you're, if you're not tough, you're, you're girling all the time. It's like, yeah, we're not going to do that either. And we're not going to call people retard, but it's about, I think helping kids or helping the adults that we work with check themselves. Um, and I almost said check themselves before they arrive themselves, but I didn't want to go that way, but I couldn't help it. Um, it's about stopping it where it stands and then, and pivoting, um, or making sure that some sort of change comes about because of it. And at the very, very least, you let people know that this is not something that's okay to happen around me. Um, because, and, and I don't know where people get their ideas from. Like, you know, we live in a very racist neighborhood. We moved here on purpose with a whole bunch of our friends to be good neighbors and to sort of try and affect change in a positive way. Um, and do you remember this night? We were at Bryson Kim's. They had a barbecue. We went over for dinner. They invited their new neighbors. This guy comes oh, in yeah. with a pillowcase full of beer cans. And he's talking to me about how we moved to the neighborhood at the wrong time. This guy tells me that you moved here. He, this is literally what he said. You should have, if you moved here three years ago, it's before all the coloreds moved to the neighborhood. And I was immediately like, first of all, sir, <laughs> we were all just like, one, did you just say coloreds? Because this is not Mississippi 1955. Two, um, why do you think that I am down. like the guy? Like, the, what about <laughs> me just said, hey, like, this is the guy to talk to about this. Um, it was so crazy to me. But then I had to just like stop him and be like, bro, I don't know what you think you know about who I am, but like, nope, not going there with you. And as, as a matter of fact, like we can still talk and I'll help you even unpack some of that, that stuff. But like, I'm not, I'm not your guy for this. And that is like that. He didn't, I, I've never talked to that guy again. I see him around the neighborhood all the time. Um, Cause then he found out where I taught and stuff like that. And, <laughs> and people that I work with and, and friends that I have. And he was not happy with that. But like, um, anyway, it was just, it, it's about standing firm in that particular sort of way. All right. Uh, we can do one more Got after it. two. Um, De La Classroom is asking, I did everything I could to get some kids back on track, but given we have one more week in the quarter, they've reached a point of no return with their grade. Is there anything I should do or say? Yes. So depending on how grades run, what I tell kids sometimes is look, what you sometimes when you had 36, oops, is that good? Yeah. Okay. Cause the, uh, oh. low battery thing popped up. I just, sometimes that messes with the recording. Sometimes when you have a 36, cause you made choices, uh -oh. right? Oh yeah, I did it. It <laughs> <Sorry>. is. <laughs> you made choices that got you to the place where you're at. Right. So like maybe, um, and look, and I'm not, I'm, that doesn't mean I'm putting blame on kids. Maybe something happened in your life. Maybe something difficult is going on at home. And, and because of that, you were like, you know what? School works too much and I'm just not doing it. I'm going to put my head down every day. Right. Nevertheless, it was a choice. Right. So it's like the, you did these actions, which equaled this, right? You, this, this grade or this, this, whatever you're in, you find yourself suspended. You find yourself getting kicked out of school. You find yourself up for, you know, like, like I said, like expulsion or something like that. It's based on decisions that you made, right? What I'm here to do is not talk to you about what you should have done, right? It's not, it doesn't make any sense. Let's talk about what characteristics are going to help you to get better. What characteristics, whether that's in your studies in how you interact with people and how you conduct your own business and, and hold yourself, 
What is going to help you win? Now what we're going to do is practice those. And even if you fail with a 55, which is still a really crappy grade, right? And we're not going to pretend that it's good, right? But it's, it's better than a 36. Um, but we're building those skills to help you get to that place. Um, so that going forward, you will find success. You always want to fail with the highest grade you can fail with. Because in our school, the way that things average out, if you fail with a 36 the first trimester, now you need some ridiculous grade second and third trimester to pass for the year. So the higher we bring that failing grade first trimester up from a 36 to a 56, now you're bringing that absurd number down on the later on the latter end, right? So maybe you don't maybe you need an 80 instead of a 95 third trimester just to get past. The other thing I tell kids too is like, look, this is life. This is what happens in life. If you know that like, because this is how kids act. They act like if they, if they're not going to pass, why should they do any work anyway? And I tell them, if you were to get into a fight with someone and this person was enormous and they knew MMA and they knew how to fight, are you just going to go, all right, just punch me, just kick my ass. No one ever said that in a fight. Not that I know of that. Like they might get their ass kicked, but at least put your hands up. You get ready to take the punch and you take the punch as best as you can. You spit the blood out and you keep going. But you don't just like fall to the ground and pin yourself because you know you're going to lose unless you're fighting Mike Tyson I mean, it's not, it's, or a bear. But like you, you don't get the fake dead. What you do is you do the best you can to try to get somewhere better. And not all the time is that going to get you to your desired result but it's building characteristics within you that are going to help you get to that place that like eventually, right? And so I tell kids, it's like being rich. If you want to be rich in your life, you don't just think, oh, I'm not going to work hard because if I can't like be rich in the next year, what, what good is it? It's like, I'd rather just be rich eventually. Like I want to like be able to do certain things eventually, even if I don't have them now, it's about building that grit, building that determination, building that character into someone that does good work. And the way you do that is by asking yourself one simple question. What sort of things do successful people do? And then you just start doing them. So if you want to be fit, what kind of things do fit people do? Oh, they eat right and they watch what they, 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 they exercise and they stretch and they um, wear these kinds of clothes, whatever they're doing, start doing it. You wanna be a writer? What do writers do? They write, so sit down, start writing. What do students do that wanna have better grades? They study and they seek help and they try and better themselves all the time by like actually reading the comments that the teacher put on the page and then resubmitting that, at that particular assignment and getting a better grade. They show up after school, they get tutoring, um, they learn the best way to learn for them. It's like, then let's start getting after it and doing that. And I think that that's how we help kids win. Long answers, short questions here live from the laundry room. Okay. Listen, everybody, um, before we go, if you would like a free book, this book right here, Teach Your Class Off, I'm going to give some away. If you just go to our Instagram account um, and go to just send me a DM saying, I want the book, uh, just let me know. And we're going to pick a few people tonight. Um, we're going to pick them. Um, we're going to stop people being able to, to like, we're not going to take any more DMS after the Eagles game starts, which I believe is eight 30 this evening. I'm not real sure about that. I forget. Um, but it's around eight 30 and then we will announce it around 9 PM tonight on Instagram in my stories. So, uh, that'll be, that'll be it. So look gang, I know that this has been a hard 
few weeks and, and a few months for some of you. Um, but the fact, let me just, let's just note the fact that you show up to this thing on Sundays to be the person that you dream of being, to be the right person for your students, to help your community to be better is it like, don't let that be lost on you. Even if you're sitting there folding laundry or you're, you know, meal prepping for the week, um, whatever it is that you're doing is you're showing up on a Sunday to do PD and that is amazing and you're giving to other people um, and that is fantastic. I appreciate you more than you could ever know. Uh, I hope everyone has a great week and that's it. Anything else? Peace.